that line from V for Vendetta where politicians, I can't remember exactly what it is, but artists used lies to tell the truth and politicians use truth to use tell lies. Truth to tell lies, yeah. And it's like we're st- you can see the cases hit an all-time high the day he said that. That's <laughs> like mm-hmm. that things are getting well, better. Well, the cases hit an all-time high every day. Monday, November 9th. I can't even remember the last time we recorded something, so doesn't matter things are happening. There's, there's lots happening. First Ontario had 1,242 new cases today. Over a thousand for pretty regularly these days. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Toronto is keeps bouncing kind of between 300, 400, and almost 500. Yeah, new today cases it basically day. rounds to 500. 500, but it's bouncing around there. Other just news, you know, basically, I can't remember when the last time was that we, what the numbers would have been at that time, but, you know, they've been just steadily creeping up. We blew past the the peak of the last, the first wave, I guess, and we're now in the second wave, clearly. And at one point they were thinking they thought it was leveling off, but then Doug Ford and his government, what, they set up, I guess because... I don't know, I'm not sure what you're... Like in the second wave you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, like in the second wave. Like it sounded there like There hasn't like been Brown any leveling in the second wave. Well, Staney Brown, he released some numbers there where he said like right. that he said that he, he s- thought the growth was slowing. Yes, the growth was slowing and so and so he had a nice model and it showed that cases going down and Doug Ford seemed to understand that as like a signed, sealed, and delivered future that would happen regardless <laughs> of our actions. And so he's like, look, cases are going to go down. Let's open everything up. And so he tried to start opening everything up. He's obviously under an enormous pressure to try to open things up. But still, his, it's like that that line from V for Vendetta where politicians, I can't remember exactly what it is, but artists used lies to tell the truth and politicians... Use truth to Use tell lies. Truth to tell lies, yeah. And it's like we're st- you can see the cases hit an all-time high the day he said that. That's <laughs> like mm-hmm. that things are getting well better. Well, the cases hit an all-time high every day. Yeah. If you look at the Ontario curve, it is just shooting up in the air on a tiny slant. If you look at Peel region's curve... It is just shooting straight up in the air. Yeah. It Peel is just is going straight up. Peel has almost the same number of cases as Toronto. Like, uh, on a, yeah, roughly. And a lower population. But a much lower population. They're at 142 cases per 100,000 people yeah. a day. So, <coughs> so, yeah, just after Staney Brown released that, you know, in, in the, way the day before Staney Brown, who's, who's the, I forget what, He's the dean, or is he the director of the School of Public Health at University of Toronto? Mm-hmm. He um, the day before he reached that, just the spin f- Doug Ford was putting on it, ma- just was trying to make it sound like everything was going well when everyone can see that it's not going well. It's mm-hmm. getting worse, mm-hmm. and it just is like, and it's about to get very bad. So the news today, well, not the news, but the rumors, the 
what's gonna be news in a week or two mm. is that our hospitals are getting full. Yeah. Like there's a report every day of like and when I say report I mean a tweet of like this hospital filled capacity. its bed and this hospital's at capacity and this hospital's at capacity. And in Peel, their medical officer of health, Dr. Lawrence Lowe, mm-hmm. um, he put strict new measures in place that goes against what the province wants to do. Or extends beyond, like, extends what the province... Well, goes against the MPP right, for uh, Mississauga, put a video out right. specifically saying, like, I do not approve of these, this is not... right. Not coming from our government. Not yeah. coming from our government. Yeah. And so I think we are a bit confused on what the medical officers of health are actually allowed to do because mm-hmm. Eileen Davila seemed to defer to the province when she wanted to lock things down. Previously. Yeah. So I think like the Toronto Star is saying that Dr. Lawrence Lowe has stuck his neck out to make his region safer. So he could like if it's like they have the power to do this, but it could maybe be challenged by the province. Like it's not super clear. To some degree, yeah. It's it sounds like he's, you know, I mean, you have to applaud this guy. He's he sees what needs to be done, and he's putting his neck on the line here. And you know, it it makes sense that you know it. You can see the power that these officers of health have like it would be an mm-hmm. obvious terrible move for a politician to try to go against although they st- i mean the ford government has kind of pushed back against things that oh, Eileen yes. de Villa has been saying but i don't know maybe someone some lawyer somewhere and they have are out. not following like okay can i please just read you the opening yeah, two yeah, paragraphs yeah, yeah. Of an opinion piece in the Toronto Star. Yeah. Says, bit by bit, day by day, Ontario is letting go of the rope. The chief medical officer of health tells you we have to do more a few days after he approved a plan that will do less. Mm-hmm. The Mr. Minister of Health says the plan will allow Ontario to move quickly as experts tell you it will do the opposite. And the premier tells you he listens to the doctors, even if <laughs> as it becomes clear that no reputable doctor would approve what he is pushing. Case counts are rising and restrictions have been loosened and have been made harder to institute at all. Bit by bit, Ontario is sliding towards a bad, bad place. And that is true. Like, it is just in enraging to anyone in public health that the chief medical officer of health of Ontario just keeps getting up in front of a microphone and saying, like, this is your personal responsibility. Like, the people of Ontario aren't following our very clear, ever-changing rules. And so it's getting out of control. Like, that's all he says. Yeah. There's a definite blame game going on, which is obviously, yeah, not... It's falling on deaf ears. Like it's people are just like. Well, not to mention that it's the whole point of a public health officer to understand behaviors and be a good communicator. And mostly all of your job is to convince people to do the right action and to persuade. persuade. Yeah. Nowhere in the public health handbook is it like stand up at the microphone and blame the people every day. Like. Yeah. That is not. That is not how you do public health, and that's our chief medical officer of health for the province. Yeah. It Frustrating. 
it might be worth yeah so the the thing that the latest set of guidelines that or or i guess transparency so so the the government the provincial government had the board government came out with a uh, a clear set of guidelines for this color-coded um what do we call them stages or or mm-hmm. stages that a play you know different different areas of the province will go through based on things like the r zero the r naught value the number of cases per hundred thousand a few other things like that and and they gave clear limits on when an a region needs to go from one stage to a more tightly locked down stage mm-hmm. the problem is everyone agreed i think the best analogy i heard was came from you someone you read about but saying like it's like posting the speed limits which people have been asking for right what is the limit when do these things happen let's get some transparency so everyone knows what yeah to expect. that's what we said in the first wave like what the heck it's very helpful to have that but the problem is they posted a speed limit but just set them at was it 200 kilometers an hour something that and 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 you know telling everyone to just drive safe now like it's Mm -hmm. it's like way too fast it's way too dangerous and and basically what they want to do is set something they can say they're being transparent but keep all the control so that they can still act whenever they feel like it's important to act without being forced whatever without having their hand forced by one of these got you know their own guideline essentially Mm -hmm. is it was what it feels like also there's a Twitter account <laughs> called Too Much Hoops yeah. that mocked the uh, levels very effectively and hilariously. It's a 15 tweet thread and it's like, I don't get what's so hard to understand about Ontario's new COVID system. All you have to do is Google Ontario COVID plan. Then you'll see the link labeled Reopening Ontario. Click that link and scroll down and find Read the Framework and look through the different levels, <laughs> Prevent, Protect, Restrict, Control. And he goes on for 15 <laughs> tweets explaining it. And then at one point he's like, and then look at page 10. But there is no page 10. It goes from 9 to 11. Okay. <laughs> Just, and it's like... <laughs> and then he has he takes paint and he like corrects he's like this is says current but this is actually old and this is new it's just like <laughs> it's hilarious i have not bothered looking at them because i just already believe them to be useless so so then it was in reaction to this i think what people a lot of people a lot of the epidemiologists are getting angry and saying this is way too lenient way these targets are not appropriate mm-hmm. for the level of lockdown we need for e- at each stage um and so there so now dr Lowe is the first that seems to be effectively yeah. saying no peel is going to do something different we're gonna be more strict and you just need one that's how it went with masks too yeah right yeah. it was guelph yeah you need so someone to go first and yeah. give other people like yeah a hand to hold and it it felt like Eileen Davila and John Tory were trying to do that in Toronto like they were pushing like they had managed to convince the provincial government to leave us in stage 2 a little longer yes, than everybody they else did. but they were definitely more let's work with the government yeah. we're not going to try to be you know yeah well there's a lot of politics we're not going to obstruct we're going to try to work with them Doug Ford has shown on multiple occasions that he's very willing to be retaliatory against Toronto yeah. so yeah. I'm sure Toronto is like just a big bullseye yeah 
and they have to be more delicate. Maybe. So anyways, but now it sounds like, like so tomorrow, apparently, we're getting an announcement. Eileen DeVille is going to announce, so kind of I- in keeping with what Dr. Lowe did and Peel, she's going to come out with something more strict, more new guidelines for Toronto that we'll hear about tomorrow. So, you know, I think we're scheduled to come out of stage two on Saturday, Friday or Saturday of this week. So it'll be, I'm sure it'll be time to kind of replace rather than take us fully out of stage two, it'll be some modification. Mm -hmm. So that's good. All right. Um, And we can end this topic with the Globe and Mail. Yeah. That says, has Ontario's Ford government done a 180 on its handling of the COVID crisis? (laughs) Apparently. So that's where we are. Doug Ford got so much praise in March and now he's doing the exact opposite. The other, can I just tie in two other little things that, that Ontario based thing. So the other thing that came out a couple of weeks ago, maybe a week ago that 30%. So our province now is 30% fewer PSWs than, uh, than we started COVID with. There's 30% of the workforce has just dropped out basically. Mm -hmm. And they did put in, they did announce some funding to try to bring more PSWs and nurses into the system, but it's like the money is, you know, over the next f- five years or something they put, right. like what's going to happen now is just a drop in the bucket compared to what they need. I mean, it's a, I guess it's good that they're trying to strengthen these things, but Wow, 30%. Yeah, we're low. There's no question we're low. And, you know, there was the report yesterday. That's why we can't, couldn't find a nanny. Yeah. Uh, and and this, you know, there was the story just yesterday and today about, was it in in Alberta? I mean, this is the story across the country, right? Is it, is, no, Manitoba, where there was this nursing home where th- 12 of their residents, they needed to call like they had to call 911 in the middle of the night over the weekend and like 12 of their residents they couldn't they just realized they weren't keeping up with the care and they many of them had covid and they mm-hmm. need to be rushed to the hospital there's a whole mm-hmm. really bad scene there they f- are now realizing that instead of having the required number of something like 21 staff that was a requirement at the time they had seven or something like that oh my god i mean you have to know that's happening everywhere right like Mm -hmm. it is people are just stretched thin nothing that's supposed to be you know people are not getting cared for appropriately across the healthcare system there's there's no there's no question especially in long-term care i mean i'm sure that's an example of just what's happening everywhere and we were just talking about um and and our team we we saw the report from UHN on all these things dropped mainly you know things like falls all these hospital acquired conditions that people are track all the time M- all of there's like five or six of them that are being tracked regularly and over the past whatever while they've seen all of them drop except for one and the one that hasn't dropped is bed sores pressure injuries and you know it's just no surprise like we should be expecting these things you know that it's there's no question people are you know, it's the easiest thing to kind of let wound care or turning patients regularly so you don't get these things or treating them effectively mm-hmm. when someone has one. It takes a lot of work and energy. And, you know, it's but it's also the simplest thing that can get left aside mm-hmm. because no Especially one... Especially when your advocates aren't allowed yeah. in the facility no anymore. No one's watching. And yeah. no one's watching. Yeah, yeah. 
hashtag more than just a visitor. Yeah. So, I mean, I think if, I think anyone who has family members, like just, you need to be asking specifically, like did someone do a skin check? How often was this person being turned? Is this like, a... Yeah. But um, Our family relies so heavily on the healthcare system because of our son, Caden. But I feel like pediatrics is somewhat isolated from COVID mm -hmm. because pediatrics tends to be its own bubble. Like our nurses are pediatric nurses mm -hmm. and they don't work with adults usually. Our hospitals are pediatric hospitals and mm -hmm. they're just not dealing with the effects of COVID in the same way. The mm -hmm. hospitals aren't filling up. Yeah. The yeah, the risk isn't the same, so it's easier to maintain staff. Like, So we were so prepared when COVID hit in March. We were so prepared to lose our overnight nursing shifts. Like for we were expecting son. to have lots of disruption. Yeah, and yeah. having to stay up all the time. And we didn't lose a single shift until October. Yeah. Uh, Halloween was the first time. And we've lost like an hour here and there where the only nurse that could cover couldn't fill the whole shift and that's yeah. not a big deal. But um, but it's getting harder. Like there, I, I talked with one of the managers about like, you know, what are their challenges? And she said the, all the hospitals are hiring like crazy mm -hmm. and home care can't compete with hospitals because they're not allowed to pay as much. The government sets the rates. Mm-hmm. And home care is not allowed to pay as much. Also, the workforce, like same as PSWs, people have more things going on at home and they just can't work. Mm -hmm. And they're just leaving. And then, of course, people have to call out when they have a runny nose or, you know, when they're a little bit sick where they would have normally worked. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, this is, I don't know. When are we going to get the vaccine? <laughs> yeah. Good segue. <laughs> like we just, we've got to hang on. It's going to get worse. Well, I don't know. Is it going to get worse before it gets better? In terms, I mean. In the numbers the seem like they're going to get worse. At, sorry. Absolutely. The pandemic is going to get worse in Ontario before it gets better. I mean, our nursing coverage. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It the pandemic is just skyrocketing. It feels like our nursing coverage. Yeah. It. You know, there might be people who are moving to safe areas of the healthcare system, like people that work in the healthcare system. There yeah. might be this, like, and pediatrics might be one of the areas where you're kind of safer, like you don't, yeah, like you are in a bubble, maybe. like you said. Maybe. I mean, I don't know because I mean the kids are safer. Yeah. It doesn't. The, like I don't know if the healthcare workers are. Everyone's safer. caring, like. Uh, like parents tr are trying their best to keep their kids safe and so like yeah but a lot of kids are in school and they yeah. are largely asymptomatic carriers so they like yeah true but we I haven't seen we've only seen small numbers of outbreaks in school so well i'm glad you brought that up <laughs> do we see um that? do you know why to look that we well, haven't we're not, we're not looking I we're mean, not looking that's right we don't have school surveillance. And so, and surveillance means that you're looking for it. You're looking for it. You have a plan to look for it. You don't wait for it to come to you. Yeah. You have a plan. You have some kind of random testing plan. You're observing it. That's surveillance. 
that's how you know what's going on in schools when you have such young kids that are weirdly symptomatic or asymptomatic with no requirement for testing it like way more kids probably had it have it than anybody knows and it they they will never know the kid may or may not have passed it on to somebody else and somebody else and started a transmission chain and somewhere it will show up, but it won't necessarily be linked back to the school. Yeah, no, I see that. So we other places have surveillance and and know and so it's actually. So you think it's almost a fluke that a few schools like those few where like seven or eight people show up with it all together. That's almost the fluke. Like it's just that it happens to be that those seven or eight got it and were symptomatic kind of at the same time. And so people are like, oh, it must be because of spread at the school, shut down this wing of the school. Yeah, I mean, fluke, I don't know if it's a fluke. Like, but well, fluke, so yes, so um, dispersion. Here's something we haven't talked about in the podcast. So dispersion is another factor, like R, it's, it's, it's K. And it's how does the coronavirus spread? Does it spread nice and evenly mm-hmm. where everybody that gets it spreads it to an average of 1.4 people? Right. Or the way it actually spreads is... Super spreader. Yeah. It, it tends to be more... Somebody spreads it to a lot of people yeah. and most people don't spread it to anybody. Right. So... E- it, I mean, that just... That requires you to have bad luck, right? So you can have COVID. COVID is probably coming into schools a hundred times, a thousand times more than we're realizing. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And then you just have these bad luck incidents where it spreads. And if it spreads badly, you catch some, Mm -hmm. like... Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know if it's a fluke, it's numbers. I I don't know. Mm -hmm. It's going to happen. The point is it's happening more than we realize because we're not looking for it. And case in point, a few weeks ago, you probably read in the news that Sunnybrook Hospital had an outbreak. Mm -hmm. And if you looked at the details of it, the outbreak was caught only because of surveillance. Mm -hmm. It was four patients Mm -hmm. that were positive. Mm -hmm. All four of them were asymptomatic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was just caught with routine surveillance. Mm-hmm. So that's the kind of thing that's completely going unnoticed in our schools and was headlines mm-hmm. for a hospital. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see. Um, also, on the topic of surveillance, Ottawa, somebody in Ottawa is doing the poop thing yeah. that we talked about at the very beginning. Yeah. They're looking at covid levels in sewage and it is like amazingly tracking cases Mm -hmm. it's beautiful so they can see why aren't we doing it here no they're not doing it by neighborhood just for the city overall but like when their cases go down the oh they can see it they can see the virus go down and so it is like Hmm. proof of concept for surveillance you can't really do that for schools but you can for cities well you could do it for schools sure I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how to collect sewage. Yeah, but you could. You could do it as as 
you know, you could do neighborhood watch, like in the sewage. Like you could, wherever the pipes go, you could hmm. take samples. I hope you don't mean you like me. Yeah. They did that for like drug use. They they were doing that. I think there's some projects where they look for drug use patterns in certain neighborhoods and things. But hmm. yeah. All right. We almost segued to vaccines, but yeah. we didn't. But really, the vaccines is why we're doing the podcast. The good today. news. Yeah. The good news story. The Because I was so excited this morning and no one was sharing my excitement. I mean, we should also note that when we come back to listen to this later, that like two days ago joe biden won the u.s election oh yeah that happened that was good news that's that's big news and then more good news today um so pfizer and their partners announced today that their coronavirus vaccine preliminarily is over 90 percent effective which is absolutely fantastic because i don't think anybody was expecting that for, yeah. everybody was prepared for like a vaccine to be like the flu vaccine and be like 50 percent effective and so we would get it and it would help but it wouldn't put life back to normal but a 90 percent effectiveness they say is like on par with like our childhood vaccines that mm-hmm. we treat as bulletproof of course, that comes with a lot of caveats. But as I said to Tillich, I'm not a professional scientist. <laughs> so <laughs> do I have to care about caveats? You don't have to be cautious. Oh, let's just be relieved. Yeah, that's good news. I mean, it's phase three cr- clinical trial. Yeah. So, okay, that's fine. Caveats. Tell us, tell so the, oh, phase three clinical trial means it's being, it's been tested for safety. So they did, they tested in a small number of people for safety in phases one and two. Mm-hmm. Phase three is where you test it in tens of thousands of people. So you're trying to catch um, any like rare events and or pseudo rare events for safety and effectiveness. Yes. Mm-hmm. So you have a placebo, a placebo group who doesn't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. And then you have a group that does get the vaccine. And then you see who gets more COVID and you do it in an area with a lot of COVID. So they did this in the States and Brazil and I don't remember where else. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So it's also only preliminary results. This isn't all of the people. I think they have, they're going to register like 43,000 people. Oh, that's just the U.S. trial. They're expanding to 43,000 people. Hmm. Um, yeah, so that's not everybody yet. That That's just the preliminary results. Um, so far, they... Mod- sorry. Oh, and Can the other thing is that Moderna, that's the vaccine that I've heard the most about. They were the first company to put a vaccine in a person. Yeah way back in the spring yeah. um their vaccine is the same kind of vaccine as pfizer's their genetic vaccines mRNA. based on so mrna yeah so mrna so the way our bodies do everything basically i guess is you have dna and the body 
copies it and turns it into RNA. Little the okay, I should have I should have thought about this before I started talking. DNA is like this whole like the encyclopedia. It's got everything. And it's like the body's like, okay, I need to make this protein. And then the RNA is like, okay, I'll, I'll go to the DNA. I'm going to find the part of the DNA that's relevant for you. And they get your messenger RNA. That's your little, that's your little note. Okay. Mm -hmm. The note mm -hmm. comes out into the cell and then the body, the cell reads the note and it makes the protein mm -hmm. with the instructions. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the mRNA vaccine is you're just putting mRNA, you're putting that note into people mm -hmm. and then the body is going to make the, the piece of the virus. Proteins. The virus is going to make, the, your body is going to make the viral proteins itself. Yeah. Whereas every other vaccine that we have, we put weaken, the virus. Weakened vaccine in or we something. Like a chunk of the virus or a weak virus or yeah. whatever. We yeah. put actual virus. Yeah into our bodies and the body yeah. our immune system reacts to it this is this is just the rna this is just the message our bodies make mm -hmm. our bodies make the piece of the virus and then our immune system attacks it so there are no mrna viruses on the market right now mm -hmm. to my knowledge and the knowledge of the internet it sounds like the other caveat is that so far, the preliminary results have looked seven days, the number of cases after seven days following a second dose of this. Oh, that's the other thing. You need two doses. So you need two doses, which is fine. But I mean, that's they, not. They're great. only looking at the effectiveness like right after people got the thing. Mm -hmm. So it could wear off. Yeah. Like we sure. don't know yet. So they're going to do. That's another caveat. They're going to look 14 days next and see. But mm -hmm. the other good news is that. Canada has purchased this like we've hmm. we have Good. we have ordered it already so so the New York Times has a coronavirus vaccine tracker it's fascinating mm -hmm. there are a ton of genetic vaccines in progress mm -hmm. and viral vaccines too the viral vaccines like the viral vaccines that are in phase three are like being developed in China and Russia and Israel and Britain. It seems like the ones in the U.S. are really focusing on the genetic hmm. vaccines, which is, I don't know why, interesting. Hmm. You'd think you'd want to do both just in case the mRNA mm -hmm. vaccine doesn't pan out. Mm -hmm. But so far, so good. Mm -hmm. Pfizer wanted to be the first to announce i guess and they were so yeah it's exciting mm -hmm. it's exciting that that looks promising but yeah there's a million reasons the the responsible science communicators say cautious optimism but even with cautious optimism it sounded like so the government of canada now i'm not sure if they had like pre-knowledge about this if this is what they were basing their announcement like a cup like last week they made a statement saying they could see the first vaccines coming out early 2021 like spring 2021 and so that's even like that's another bit of good news like that didn't everything else we've been hearing has been saying like just be ready to wait. This is mm. going to be with us for a while. Yeah. Like fall 2021, maybe, yeah. maybe. But 
Um, oh, here's another not great thing about the mRNA uh-huh. vaccines is that mRNA is very unstable. Mm. And so it has to be kept at minus 80. And so how do you mm. transport millions and billions of doses around the globe liquid when nitrogen? it has to be? How much liquid nitrogen do, do you we have? Need? Yeah. <sighs> right. All right. Is that have we covered all what's been going on? I feel like because there is only one joke that can be made. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um it's not a joke. It's it's a whole saga. And I hope you already know about it. And if you don't know about it, just get to your computer right now and Google it because it is the most hilarious thing. So the Trump campaign on Sunday morning or Saturday morning? I feel like it was Saturday. No, it was right before. It was like hours before Biden. It was confirmed that he he won. Yeah. Um, So Trump tweeted in the morning that there was going to be a press conference at the Four Seasons in Philadelphia. And then later he's like, um, and by Four Seasons, I meant Four Seasons Total Landscaping, <laughs> which is this little <laughs> landscaping firm. Dilek's going to pee his pants. This is a little landscaping firm in an industrial part of Philadelphia on the outskirts across the street from a crematorium and beside an adult bookstore and so the two theories going around are that trump said there was going to be a press conference at the four seasons but they weren't able to book it and then rather than change the hotel he decided to try and save face and book someplace with the same name um and the other theory going around is that somebody just booked the wrong four seasons And whatever the reason, Rudy Giuliani and everyone showed up at Four Seasons Total Landscaping and did the press conference. And then the internet just made fun of it for days. Because it looks ridiculous. And they're still making fun of it. And you can have a (laughs) Four Seasons Total Landscaping Zoom backdrop if you would like. (laughs) And they now are selling t-shirts because I think probably... The internet demanded it of them. (laughs) And you can make America rake again. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Uh, you can't imagine, like, how could you have a better better news than Joe Biden, like, they confirm he wins the election. And then this also happened that day. (laughs) Like, it's just too good. Yeah, it's, it's so good. The number of jokes about this is just it's amazing and we were laughing hysterically mm-hmm. at all of the jokes on the weekend and i hope you will too but is it but wasn't there a there's no covid related i thought you were gonna end with like a covid oh, related i mean landscape. i should but we don't have one. okay um i i don't have one Okay, there's a few not super great jokes. COVID related? That link the two together. Yeah. Reminder that the team that chose Four Seasons Total Landscaping is still in charge of COVID policy for three more months. 
or Santa, this year for Christmas, I would like a viable vaccine for COVID-19 and a Four Seasons Total Landscaping t-shirt. <laughs> the first trip I'm going on after COVID is to the Four Seasons Total Landscaping. You get the gist. Yeah, good. I think the event itself is... Is the bigger joke. Is yeah. the bigger joke. True. All right. Well, good. Thank you. Good night. Good night.